Welcome to the debut of the Jayhawker podcast, the reimagined and rebranded Jayhawker podcast. I am Greg Gurley, Wayne Simeon, and obviously the King, Bill Self, here with us. We thought we'd just blow it out this first episode, have the best guests we could possibly have. The Jayhawker podcast is brought to you by the University of Kansas Health System. Wayne, welcome. Coach, welcome to the first Jayhawker podcast. So this is you two are co-hosting this? Correct. The rest of... The world. The rest of time. The rest of time. Yeah, yeah. So, yes. so yeah. Are you good with that? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm actually great with it. It's a, it's a, it's a, a guy that, that I love coaching and a guy that I actually dreamed of coaching. Uh, <laughs> was, it, was it a dream? Well, well back when we nightmare. were recruiting. Yeah, nightmare. I had nightmares <laughs> of coaching. I had a home visit with this guy and Eddie Sutton in 1990. And he'd always tell me, oh, you'll start at Oklahoma State. I did never right? say that. <laughs> and I could see through it. I could see through it. I was like, I knew I was good, but I was like, they got some guys in Stillwater. But uh, uh, always yeah, kept yeah, uh, yeah. a great relationship. And then when he got the job, it's just been – I mean, that's kind of my first question. You're in your 20th year here at Kansas. Yeah, but, but going back to uh, that recruiting visit, your mother, Carol – is known for making the best and the thickest chocolate chip, fifteen hundred calories in every one of them, <laughs> all the time. See, and, and so <laughs> and, and and so uh, she made those, and I think I told her how much I liked them. Yep. And then every time you played in Lawrence, I mean in Stillwater, when I was coaching there, she'd bring me a big old deal of cookies, and she still does it. Not near often enough. But well, usually when we go to Stillwater, she'll bring a big batch up to the office. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, but, 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 I you're, mean, you're, I haven't been in Stillwater in a lot of t- times, and she's brought some batches, but I, I don't think they get out of your car when she gives them to you to give to Your, your memory is, is legendary. And legendary. We, we, you know, the other night we were sitting at a, at a uh, watching the national championship game, and you were spouting off jersey numbers of a team in the early 90s. I go back to when you got the job here in 03, and I don't remember this. It was Tulane, wasn't it? It was Tulane. Tulane, we yeah. We were with the guy who played at Tulane, and he knew the starting five of the 93 Tulane team and their jersey numbers. It was it was actually kind of creepy. It was that. Well, I, it was actually 92. I'm sorry. But but it was, a, it was a second-round game in 92 played in Atlanta, if I remember well, see, see, that's a, that, that, does this a lot. it's a fun little trick now, you know, but when he's remembering missed assignments oh, yeah, in a yeah. film session yeah, yeah. or in practice, it's it's an absolute nightmare because you don't even remember. It's it's four, it happened three seconds we, ago, five minutes ago, and he's retelling it exactly how it happened. You, you know, uh, I, I uh, you guys had, didn't work for him direct. I mean, didn't work with him directly, but you both know well, but Larry Brown. Uh, I was always amazed by him in that he could see all 10 players in a snapshot every possession. Every possession. I mean, it was like he was the film. And, and you could see the snapshot. So, okay, on this one, Ronnie, you didn't do this. On this one, hey, Calvin, you're, two, you're, you're, you're standing three feet off of where you're supposed to be. Greg, you're supposed to duck in when the ball's in the air, not till after he catches it. Hey, Danny, what the heck are you doing? You need to step across your man to get open. And Cedric, we said we were going to start the offense to the right and then come back left. And, and you started it straight on. I mean, it, it was he saw everything all the time. And, and, and then, of course, if he saw the offense, he saw the defense. And that's the thing that amazed me about – him and I'm not. I, I I can't do that. But but uh, uh, and the older I get, uh, I can remember stuff. I can't remember names near as well. 
and, and I used to be decent at that, but I, I'm losing it. Now. I want you to reflect on your 20 years when you first got here. I, I, you famously say when you came in downfield, I was like, hey, we, you know, we need to, it's the greatest venue in the country, but it needs a bit of a, of a once-over. Talk about Allen Fieldhouse. Talk about how many times Allen Fieldhouse, you're, you're a great coach. You won an amazing amount of games, 301 victories in Allen Fieldhouse and only 16 losses. It's crazy. But talk about even, even last night how the building has evolved in your 20 years. Well, this is going back to when you played and when Dub first got here. Uh, Allen Fieldhouse is the best building in college basketball, but back in the early 2000s, it was a great but tired building. It, 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 needed, it, needed, it needed to be energized. And, and Lou Perkins and, and, of course, others, but through the generosity of many, uh, uh, you know, did enough to give it the little bit of the, the juice back uh, that made it feel different, whether it be scoreboards, whether it be whatever. Uh, uh, I remember when Cindy and I first visited uh, in 2003, we visited, and, and she said, this hasn't changed since I was here in 1985. And, 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 and uh, of course, that's maybe not totally true, but it's partially true. And, and the, the success that Kansas had in the locker room that you lockered in, mm-hmm. in the weight room and all that stuff that you had, it's unparalleled. I mean, it, it's amazing, the success. And so, but, but we, we, you know, we had to do some things, and fortunately we did. And, and what's, you know, you look around here in the, in the, in the Booth Hall of Athletics and you look around at the, the renovations we're getting ready to do and, and, and some artist renderings of that. This place will st- will stand the next the, the test of time for the next sixty years or sixty or seventy years, whatever it is, it, and it's without question the, the best building I've ever been in. Period, and and not even close. And last night was evidence of that. I mean, it's it's uh, you know the, the the best home courts are always the ones that have the best players playing on it. <laughs> let's let's not get that <laughs> twisted. <laughs> and we've had really good players, but. There's something about this place that breeds confidence into a home team uh, uh, when it counts the most, and and, and certainly it, it, it didn't disappoint last night. Well, the three of us get to be around people from all college basketball walks of life, and, and you know, whether it be Jay Billis or earlier this year, Stanford Steve was here, and people that have nothing to do with Kansas that come here and say that, that might say, you know, Cameron Endor by a dookie, but he says this is the best place bar none. And that's what, to me, legitimizes this place. It's not just us being biased because we're here all the time. It's others that could have a different opinion, and they just don't. Neil Doherty, one of Dub's really close uh, mentors, uh, coaches, friends. Of course, Neil passed uh, several years ago, but but, uh, he told me when I first got the job here, the most thing that you will amaze you the most – Set up in the office, you'll be in the locker room, it's going to be 20 degrees and the roads are icy, and you're going to be asking everybody, uh, well, how many people you think will come tonight? And you're going to walk out and there'll be 15,000, 16,000 people saying, hey, we're here, where you been? You know, <laughs> you know what, what are those types? And, and, and I remember when Neil told me that, and, and that is so true. Uh, uh, what game was it? Was it, uh, was it Harvard? Uh, yeah, Harvard, was it last year? Oh, a few years ago. Don't, 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 don
was it Harvard this year? Yeah. When it was freezing. Minus 27 wind chill? Yes. Uh, and no students are here? And it was coming off the Indiana one. Yeah, and, 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 and you walk out there and say, well, God, we get 10,000. That'll be a miracle. And you walk out there, and, and it's, you know, it, it may not have been 16 strong, but it, was, it certainly looks 16 strong. So, uh, yeah, it's an amazing place. Amazing fans. Coach, the signature saying during your era here has been uh, faces change, but expectations don't. Expectation is championships. Uh, let's talk about the championship last year. I know we're, we're deep into this year's season, but in, in my opinion, you can't ever talk about it enough because it's so hard to do. And so even as we get a few months further and further away from what took place in April, how is your perspective enhanced as you think about that, that team? Uh, well, one thing I have thought about that team, uh, probably more of late because this team reminds me a lot of that team, uh, in that we're not perfect. We got our flaws. Uh, there are things that we do not do well, but there's one thing that we do do well, uh, at least up until this point, we compete and like it when it counts the most. And, to me, that's a, that's a quality that is uh, so important. The, the other thing is, is and, and there's a lot of other things, and, and, and you guys know I can get on tangents and always have another thing. But, but, you know, Kansas has always been a big target uh, going into other arenas and playing other teams or uh, uh, having a regular season contest, whether it be home, neutral, away, against Kansas. We've always been a big target you know, because of the excellence that, that the program's had over, you know, decades, you know, century. Uh, uh, but when you add a national championship uh, 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 target to all that already, uh, I mean, you're going to take – you're going to play teams where they play maybe at a higher level from an intensity standpoint than what they normally play at. And, you know, we eke out a – a, a, a two-point win or a three-point win and we come for a four-point win and we come from way behind and people say, well, we didn't play very good. Well, there's a reason why we didn't play very good. The other team <laughs> played really well and they were turned up. And so uh, having that quality that, that guys like to compete when it went on, at game point I think is a, about as good a quality as a team could have. And last year's team had that same thing. We didn't always play well. And, you know, we, we were a team that got hammered in, in January at home. And if you would have ever told anybody, uh, uh, if you'd gone to Vegas, whatever, I don't know what the line would have been then, but for, for us to win a national championship after that team had been exposed so bad, I think, I think speaks to the, the toughness of, of kind of what's going on. Back to the national championship night uh, where we won the game down 15. We're getting ready to have the 125-year anniversary of Kansas basketball. That night after the game on the seventh floor of the JW Marriott, the brotherhood of all different eras of former players, current players, coaches, and people close to the program. How cool was it for you to be in that room with all the – it didn't matter whether you played for Larry, Roy, Ted, whoever. We had that great picture of former players. And, and what did that mean to you? Well, I think what it, I think what it shows – as much as anything, that you don't know when you're young. When you guys played here, I guarantee you didn't know how much past cared. 
until you become past. And, and now, you know, th- these are, th- th- there are things that go on with us, with our ex-players that uh, uh, are important to them in ways and from a pride standpoint that, you know, we don't think about uh, in present tense. But that's what makes it so cool because it doesn't matter if, if you played with Wayne or played with you, Greg, or it doesn't matter if you played for Ted or played for Roy or played for Larry. It doesn't matter. Uh, 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 when Kansas Jayhawks, and I'm sure it's his way in, 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 a, in a few other programs, when we win, we all feel the, 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 the joy from winning because you, you, there's been so many that's paid such a significant sacrifice and price to put the program uh, uh, in a prop it up in a place where it is today, where where you can lay claim to this may be arguably, but very well could be the most tradition rich uh, program of all time. And so we're 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 biased. We say it is. Other people say, well, UCLA or Kentucky or whatever. But but you know there there there's more history coming from this place than there is any other place that, that in college basketball. Bar none, and other coaches would agree with that. So, so uh, it, it, it's, it's special to see guys, and it, it's also cool to see how much guys follow our present players. When, when when I used to go to the NBA, and Dub knows this, you know, being in the league, you you, you didn't you visited the league, but 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 uh, Dub knows this. Hey, there's pride in that locker room for your alma mater. Oh, yeah, I mean pride. And, 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 and the other thing that's amazing to me, you go visit with NBA coaches, it's amazing how much they enjoy watching your team play. It's, it, it, it blows me away. And, and, and so uh, to, to people like, like the 125th this weekend that you guys have played a huge role in, it, it's, it's uh, uh, to get the, those past guys to come back, uh, I don't know if in present tense we realize what a special treat it is for them to be amongst their, their, their boys uh, you know, supporting something that everybody can support without any controversy. It's, it's, it, it's, I mean, you don't have to pick sides. It's, it's, it's all in, and, and that's what makes it so cool. One last thing on, on the, the national championship day. Talk about Paul Pierce when he came up to the team room, and, 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 and he never won a national title, never got to a Final Four, but he, Wayne and I were both there at that dinner, and he, what he said to the team was like, hey, basically – we didn't make it, and I look back at that every day of my life, and it's something that weighs on me. You guys have an opportunity. How special was that and what Paul said to the team? Uh, well, uh, yeah, it's great, and, and Danny was great, and Dub's always done great with, with this. But what, what Paul's basically said is, I won an NBA championship, and I'm jealous of you, basically. And, and, that sums and, it up. That, that, that pretty much sums it up. So uh, so go go let it go. Uh, uh you know, uh, you know, we, we say this, you know, I, I, you know, vicariously, I don't know if that's the correct word, you know, I'll, I'll live through you, you know, vicariously or whatever, but that's what they do. Isn't that right? Sure. That, yeah. That's what, that's what they're doing. And so that makes it, that, that makes it special. We've seen it over the last couple of weeks that we continue to win one possession games. And I know there's not a great answer for this, but I want your take on, why are your teams so good at winning close games? Uh, I don't just say you. <laughs> I think I, I'll be honest with you. I think a lot of it's luck. I think a lot of it's good fortune. I think. Uh, I, I, I think. Uh, uh, but but the biggest thing is is uh, you know 
I we we talk about this all the time, and Dub knows this. Uh, you know, really, you can kind of separate good from great, or or, or good from average. I mean, uh, good from average, just by what you do when it when the the, the pressure's on the most, and our guys like the pressure. Uh, we have for years. We did when Dub played. Now that mean you're always going to win, and other teams like it too. But I've always thought you could you could really judge the value of a team uh, uh, the last five minutes of a basketball game uh, because everything is so magnified. If you make a mistake, you may not be able to recover. Uh, and so uh, you make a mistake in the first half. There's time to recover. There's not in the last five minutes many times. And and uh, I, th- I think that has been good for us. But I also know this, as soon as you start thinking that you're good at that, you're going to get your butt beat. I mean, we, 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 we've been fortunate. We've had some good fortune and everything. But, but you know, players make plays with the games online regardless of what's happened up until that point. And I want to, I want to talk about one thing in particular last night. Uh, I believe it was 73-72. We just gotten the ball back with 45 seconds left. We've seen it out of you before. Typically, coaches like to call timeout, get things set up. You let the play go out, and that's when Kevin McCullough got the and one layup. Talk about the type of trust that you have uh, for this team and teams that you've had in the past and how important that is in those late-game situations. Well, first of all, uh, we only had one timeout left, so if I called it thin, I knew I'd need one later on. So that was one reason why we wouldn't. But 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 we didn't. But the, the biggest thing is uh, uh, against good defensive teams, open floor situations are far better chances to score than calling timeout and playing five against five. And and, and we said that we said that all along uh, against Oklahoma. You know, you five against five is hard to score. Uh, against Iowa State, it'll be a monster score. So we got to create some opportunities where we have, you know, a four on three or a two on two or a one on one or what whatever, where where the court's more open or whatnot. And, and Kevin, you know, give Kevin credit, man. He 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 didn't have a, his best game last night. And uh, but gosh dang, at game point, he did. And he's done that several times. Several did, times. did it against Wisconsin. Did it against, to it to overtime. Did it? Uh, yeah. And then it, the one in Lubbock. Yeah, he did it in Lubbock. And and. Uh, uh, but he's had a lot of big moments that that uh, that play into us winning that may not look at it statistically and say that he had the impact that he had. You've said how much you loved coaching last year's team, and you really didn't coach a whole lot because they kind of yeah, governed themselves. Thanks, thanks, well, you've said that. Well, of course you say it. Say it. Okay. 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 So I, shouldn't believe, I, shouldn't, so I shouldn't believe what you say is what you're telling me. But how much you loved being around the guys last year and – just recently, you said how much you enjoy coaching this team. How are the teams different? How are they similar? Well, I think last year was easier to coach in this respect because the roles were more easily defined. There was more separation that, hey, these seven or eight are going to play and these guys are going to not play unless something happens to the seven or eight. Bottom line. This year, you know, it's – Gosh dang it! Ten or eleven. Yeah, yeah, and 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 we've had, it, it's we have some individuals, uh, uh, haven't had the opportunity, and we haven't given the chance. I haven't given the chance to play. 
in large part because of numbers, trust, the other guys are playing well, what, whatever it is. And, and uh, that's, that's been my biggest disappointment so far with this team is that uh, uh, we haven't developed our bench yet the way that we hope to. Uh, but um, you know, I, I, sometimes when you go to your bench, you go to your bench to, to uh, uh, you know, put the next best guy in. And to be honest with you, I, we, we don't know who the next best guys are. You know, uh, uh, they're all equal. You know, we, we, we haven't had separation like last year's team had to really – and when you have separation, these guys understand that these guys should be playing. When you don't have separation, now everybody thinks, well, I could do this or I could do that, but we just don't have the minutes to go around and do that. As we look ahead in the Big 12, we've got uh, Iowa State on Saturday. Uh, fairly surprising they're 4-0, but they've probably been the best team along with K-State as far as their significant wins. We've had – our wins, but they've had statement wins. K-State goes to Waco and Austin. Yep. Iowa State done, done similar stuff. What, what do you see in the Cyclones and the Wildcats come Saturday and Tuesday? Well, I'm trying to think. Iowa State won at OU, and we barely labored, labored beat OU. Uh, Iowa State uh, won at TCU, which is without question one of the best teams in our league in the country. And we probably don't have the signature type wins, to your point. So I think you can make a case is even though three teams are 4-0, if you're going to go A, B, and C, we'd be C of the most impressive wins so far. Uh, uh, so, yeah, we, they're, they're good. Uh, uh, you know, the, the other thing is this, uh, in our league, you know, TJ last year brought his team in here, and we had to make a running underhand hook shot to blow them out by one. <laughs> one. Uh, one. Late. Uh, uh, I mean, yeah, late. I mean, they missed a three to, to win the game at the buzzer. But we made that, you know, Juan made that underhand hook shot to win by one. And then they go on a tough stretch, and they go to the Sweet 16. Right. The Duke can coach. And, and, and the, the, they're, they're, they're as well coached defensively as anybody. I mean, they are terrific. Uh and he's in his second year there, and and he's been a head coach for probably six years. And he uh, took over a team that won two games the year before. Yeah. Yes, zero in the league. Right. And 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 then you got a guy in Manhattan that is his first year as the head coach. Of course, we all knew he was talented uh, uh, as an assistant, but his first year as a head coach, and he may be he and TJ may be one and two on the leading candidates for national coach of the year. And they're newbies. Uh, uh, and, and, you know, w w when, when athletic directors have hired new coaches in our league, it just seems like the league's gotten better. Yeah. And, and so, uh, yeah, those guys are both really good. I want to get your uh, thoughts on Brandon Snyder and our women's program. You go to a lot of the games and are very engaged. Talk about what they've done in the first couple months of the season. Uh, well, you know, I, I don't. I'm not there all the time, but you know they practice right out the, the 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 office, and so I can watch quite a bit. But you know they they uh, uh, they're committed. They try hard. They, they, they you know their staff's done a great job. Uh, they recruited well, and and uh, I know they lost at Texas last night, but a lot of people are going to lose at Texas. And I mean top top twenty type teams are could do that. So uh, 
he's got them in a position that that they're gonna they're gonna be a tournament team and they'll, they'll have a great chance to make a run and and certainly uh, uh, benefiting and 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 you know in basically doing benefiting from last year's run themselves in the NCAA tournament to a point where now their expectations have changed and and they're a team I mean they're a second weekend team uh, and they know that and that's what makes it cool so. Uh, uh, but they've, they've done a great job. It's, it's good to see our entire athletic department have success. One last thing uh, I forgot to mention, the end of the half in Morgantown, one of the oddest, strangest plays we've ever seen as I break it down for the people that weren't there. KJ puts it on the deck, flings to Harris. He wants the three. Missed it strong. Rebound Wilson, though. He fires, and what the gun goes off early with eight seconds to go in the half. What is going on? The Mountaineer mascot thought it was the end of the half. A gun? She fires off the musket. Instead, it was the end of the shot clock. And right in the middle of Jay Will shooting a three, the, <laughs> the gun went off. You and I talked post-game. Have you ever been in a situation where a gun went off? Mid-flight on a no, jump shot attempt. No, I, I, maybe Pistol Pete shoots a gun every now and then. I said I hadn't heard that, but but uh, that musket was loud, and, and uh, uh, I, I uh, the thing about it is the musket's going to go off whenever the half uh, halftime buzzer sounds. Right, and they had the premature shot clock buzzer after it hit the rim. But still, even after that, there was six or seven seconds. Why did Jalen shoot it? I mean, I, but he won. You know, he got one. He's a volume he got, shooter. He got he got one <laughs> off. And and uh, but the the best thing about it, you know, their their home court played to our advantage because everybody stopped playing, and KJ just gets the ball and gets fouled and makes two free throws. And we needed that because they cut it to to five. And so uh, yeah, that was that was a strange play. Well, I know you've been bugging me for months about when are we going to do this podcast? I want to come on. So we're very grateful that you uh, really pushed this happening. I think the Jacker podcast is going to be a, a great thing for our entire athletic department. I know you'll become a subscriber because you're going to want to listen to me and Wayne more. Would you, would you say that's accurate? I, 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 you couldn't be more. You couldn't be more on point. If you want some more of the brownies that your mom made, you can no, cookies, cookies, yeah, cookies, yeah, cookies, cookies, some cookies, cookies. And Margaret, she hasn't really. Margaret really hasn't uh, uh, done any bakery goods for uh, for us. Is we forgot to bring the black eyed peas on New Year's, man. We talked about it. Well, we got the black eyed peas. Did she just do them with like straight or? And now we do it with some rice, rice and, and, and bacon, some, and some fried fish that Wayne Senior oh, okay. goes out. Okay, goes okay. Out. that yeah, you've so caught. Nice little, nice little <laughs> nah, no, nah, no, nah, Wayne. That's Wayne Senior. Yeah. Oh, Wayne Senior. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, well. Great stuff. Appreciate your time. Hall of Famer Bill Self joining us here on the Jericho Podcast brought to you by the University of Kansas Health System. I had this patient. His cancer treatment had him in the hospital for a while. One day, he was telling me about his grandson and how a big night was coming up for him. So we arranged to make it a big night for my patient too. I sometimes wonder if I'm doing all I can. Then I help make a moment like this possible, and I know I am. We are back here on the Jack Podcast, brought to you by the Kansas Health System. Thanks to Coach Self for joining us on our initial debut podcast, and uh, we're so fortunate to have 
a guy like that come in and just be honest with us. And he's just a he's just a regular guy. Yeah, and he didn't have to be. I mean, he's one of the all-time greats, uh, not only at the University of Kansas in terms of basketball coaches, but one of the best in the biz. And he's just uh, down-to-earth, authentic, making himself available. Um, so it's great to have him on. You and I have never really been anywhere else, and so we haven't really dealt with other coaches. But like you just said, you know, we're biased, Kansas guys, but – Again, he, he's, he's so honest and, and uh, cares about this type of stuff and promoting the brand. And, uh, again, we're just so fortunate to have him. Oh, we've been around enough coaches to know that not all of them like right. to deal with media or to open themselves up to, uh, you know, different perspectives and fan views. But he's really a, a man of the people, uh, which yeah. is what, one of the things that I, a, I really appreciate about him. He's a chameleon. Him. He's a chameleon. But uh, – but, all right, let's talk conference. Big 12 conference, here we are, first week of January. We've had four games thus far. Uh, road teams ha- have been great up until last night. The road record for Big 12 teams was 10-5. and five. Iowa State, Kansas State, and Kansas alone unbeatens. And if you looked at the, the prognosticators early, they wouldn't have been surprised at Kansas, but how surprising is Kansas State and Iowa State. Yeah, I think it's really surprising not only that Kansas State and Iowa State, the clip that they're playing at, but also you think about the teams that started out uh, highly touted in the beginning of the season, uh, Baylor and a, and a TCU and a Texas, all laboring early in the conference. And so I don't think anybody forecasted that. And, you know, one thing uh, that you think about when it comes to the Big 12 historically is how important it is to take care of home and to win at home and to see this early in the season uh, where teams are letting home games slide away from them is something that wasn't forecasted. Well, the key to Kansas' success over the years is win the games you're supposed to win. And when we're at Kansas, we're supposed to win the games at home, and then you're supposed to win the games that you're heavily favored on the road, and, and that was West Virginia and Lubbock. Last week, we go to two places that have been very difficult for us. Even though we have good records, we have a great record against Texas Tech, not as good against West Virginia they kind of muck you up and just kind of get you into playing their type of game. And we were able to power through adversity. And it always happens on the road. And then the Texas Tech game was a one-possession game, down by one – or up by one. They have the ball. I know a lot of Texas Tech fans didn't like the final possession. But, hey, we didn't like it either when KJ got hit <laughs> mid-flight. And luckily, he's an unbelievably athletic monster that just went up, got hit midair. Finish, has the yeah. strength and athleticism to not flip off the rim and, you know, hurt himself. Uh, that gets us to 2-0. and We finish it off in West Virginia, go 3-0. and Then last night, crazy game. Just no flow, no rhythm. Five minutes and 18 seconds ago, we're down by 10. And there's nothing that tells you we're going to come back and win it except five minutes. We go on an 18-4 to run and win by four. Well, thinking about these last two games, very rarely do you see a team go into Morgantown and be in the driver's seat the entire game. Right. And then, very rarely do you come back to the field house and see a Kansas team down 10 with five minutes left. And so, uh, finding a way to win those uh, is something that's always important. Uh, but just to your point about uh, just uh, how the, this conference season looks really different um, really entertaining, uh, really compelling, but just looks different than, than what we've seen. But, of course, we've got, got a long way to go. And this isn't a dig on Bruce Weber, but you look at the, the total reversal in Manhattan. 
of what Jerome Tang has done with the transfer portal, the guys he brought in, the guys he kept, coaching them up, whatever you want to call it. They go on the road. You know, we're excited that we go on the road and win in Lubbock and Morgantown. They went to Austin and Waco last week and won both games. They're our opponent next Tuesday at Bramlage. Uh, no matter where they're at record-wise, it's always a huge deal. But next Tuesday, and I don't want to get ahead of Iowa State because we're going to talk about that here in a second, but next Tuesday at Bramlage is the kind of game that this conference loves. You know, this is going to be national TV, obviously. The crowd will be hyped. There's going to be signs and chants. We know it. You know it. We've all been there, and it's going to be an unbelievable atmosphere. But first, the other first-place team in the league comes here on Saturday. And if we have the kind of offensive struggles that we had last night against Iowa State, I don't think we can come back from it. Yeah, I've heard uh, Coach Seth use the terminology. It's going to be like pulling teeth, um, you know, for games uh, like the game we had last night against Oklahoma, like a tough Iowa State opponent uh, that we have coming in. And, you know, you would mentioned some of the other teams that have been doing well. Is this a reflection of what the transfer portal is really uh, going to, uh, you know, add to conferences like this where you have teams that were at the bottom of the barrel the year before, new coach, a couple transfers in, and all of a sudden they're surprising people. Or you get a team like Tech that's been historically top 25, very competitive. You get a few pieces slide away from them, and now they're struggling, man. Is this something that you really have to give consideration to with the new era of the transfer portal? And it works both ways, both positive and negative. Texas Tech has kind of lived off the transfer portal the last five years, or before it became a no penalty to go, they had a lot of transfers. So did Iowa State. But they kind of caught the bad end because they lost Kevin McCullough and a few others. They got a few in there, but those pieces don't always fit together. And uh, that might be something that's going on down there. But at K-State, I mean, it's basically a brand-new team. And, and they've got athletes. they got guys that they haven't had in the past. They're playing at a different pace. They scored 116 points in a game. And this is not the K-State podcast, so I want to get off of that. But what they have done is really impressive. But we're going to find out. We're going to find out where we are at. We're going to find out where they're at. But, again, first things first, Iowa State, last year, they were picked near the bottom. They go, I think they were 12-0 and in non-con and make it to the Sweet 16 in a year that they were picked ninth or 10th in the league. And they're doing it once again. T.J. Otzelberger has done a fantastic job there in utilizing the transfer portal. Then as you watch their games, they talk about the classes they already have signed for next year and the year after. And they're not going away anytime soon. Well, you talk about the way they utilize the transfer portal. You would think that at the beginning of the year this year, the transfer portal hurt them because they lost Tyrese Hunter a Big 12 freshman of the year, their best player from last year, a guy that was one of the few guys in the league that when I saw us match up against him, he concerned me. And, and he, he was a guy we yeah. really wanted here. Oh, it, yeah. It was yeah. between us and Texas. I think at the end might have been a third, but that was a guy that I know our staff was, because we had the great success with Remy, and that was the piece, even though with our team, it's kind of like we always – don't look at what we've got, which is Dewan and KJ. And they've been our most consistent guys all year. Our fan base, everybody's trying to say, okay, let's get Tyrese Hunter. Okay, we didn't get him and we're fine. Hey, let's get a big guy. KJ's 6'7". And, I mean, we have to talk about him. I mean, what he's done this year consistency-wise has been unbelievable. KJ 
Dewan's probably our most valuable player. Some argue Jalen, but where would you put KJ in that mix? I don't know where I'd put him in the rankings, but I certainly know this. He's helped us win games, and uh, and he's only getting better. I don't think he's reached the ceiling quite yet because he's getting more comfortable, more confident in his role. You know, earlier on in the year where that five position was talked about being by committee, um, maybe there wasn't as much uh, wiggle room or leeway for mistakes for those guys as, you know, you were wanting to see what Ernest was going to do or what Zub is going to do. Clearly, clearly KJ has established himself as a, as a key big for this program. And, uh, you know, I really appreciate how, you know, early on it got a lot of scrutiny for his size and, uh, you know, or, or lack thereof. But to be able to see the passion and the energy and the confidence and the ferocity that he plays with, uh, really, really, really makes up for a lot of what people seemingly seem to see as as a deficit as it pertains to his position because he's not the typical six ten big. Might be an unfair comparison, but it's the best I can come up with. Richard Scott, come on, baby, there you go. Dickie Scott, oh yeah, Dick Scott, yeah, a teammate of mine when you were growing fan. up. Fan, I'm a fan. I'm a you fan were of him. Up yeah, and you watch Richard Scott, and he was three inches shorter than KJ and would post up seven footers. Now KJ is probably a more athletic, stronger Richard Scott, which is crazy because back then Richard looked like a, 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 a Linebacker. cartoon yeah. superhero. I mean, he was just had that body and, and he had toughness about him. But I'm glad you, you said that because that's where I was going. It's unfortunate. We'll get into the 125th year anniversary later. But we, you and I were talking yesterday and we really wished that Richard would come back because he had been back, I don't know, probably in 25 years. And, uh, a fan favorite back in the 90s. And I think, obviously, the younger generation doesn't know that the impact that's, that uh, Richard had on our program. But uh, uh, KJ and Richard, very similar players. Yeah, no doubt. And I think uh, Richard is one of those guys that you could probably transpose him here into this generation, and he'd fit just fine. And, yeah. and uh, it's even one of the things that's been exciting about uh, seeing the guys that are coming back for, for the 125th reunion of, of Kansas basketball and, uh, and thinking like, hey, man, this guy might have been a little bit ahead of his time, you know, whether you think about a guy like Luke Axel or Jeremy Case who are elite three-point shooters that uh, didn't necessarily get a chance to flourish during their era. But, man, you put them in this era of the three-point shot, man, who knows what those guys yeah. uh, could have become. So it's fun kind of thinking – hypothetically about about those college basketball has somewhat morphed into nba basketball where the golden state warriors have kind of taken that where a three on one break a good shot might be a three in the corner as opposed to if we did that with coach williams and we shot a three on a three on one one break what would happen it won't you Imitate Roy Williams and what he would say. <laughs> hey, would, would that be a good time for the uh, for the historic jacket throw, which we don't see anymore now because it's all quarter zip nation, right? right? He'd take his glasses off and do one of these yeah. and just like, oh. But the jacket throw was good. I miss and jacket throws, man. I, I don't miss suits across the board, whether yeah, it's in college athletics yeah. or anything, certainly in this scenario right now, but I do miss the jacket throw. Coach Seth let a few jackets fly uh, back in the day as well. But, the, uh, but again, like you said with Jeremy Case, Luke Axtell, anybody, threes are, 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 are better than twos. I know it sounds crazy, but it's worth more than a two. And, and when you really – the analytics guys pull it out, it, you need to shoot more threes. It's, it's the great equalizer in our game. And Jeremy Case, Luke Axtell, I mean, Jeff Boshi was kind of the – not the first one to really just be a – there's a lot of dead-eye shooters, but uh, playing now, it would be interesting to see those guys in, in this system because, again, 
a, a three in transition isn't a bad shot anymore. It truly was. We would run the next day at practice if that were to happen in a game and you missed it. Yeah, especially not now with a guy like Grady Dick, who every time the ball leaves his hands, you, you're surprised if it doesn't go in. And You know, let's talk about that. Um, Grady, in two home games in the Big 12 Conference, has been completely taken out offensively by Avery Anderson against when we played Oklahoma State, and then last night by a host of, of Oklahoma Sooners. He was obviously on their radar, their scattering report, and he ended up, I think, he was one for eight last night. And they just didn't give him an inch. So what does he have to do off the ball? What do his teammates have to do screening-wise? What does Bill and his staff have to do to get him more opportunities for him to be? Because he's such a weapon and one of the best players in the league, and he's a game-changer. But when teams take him out, a lot of times when team takes people out, other guys got to step up, and that just didn't happen last night. Well, you know, I'm not all that discouraged in thinking about, um, you know, Grady's last couple performances being a little bit lower of a scoring output that he normally has. And this is why it's going to force him early in the conference play to find other ways to contribute. Um, he had two monster rebounds last night late in the game, uh, clean uh, rebounds in traffic, quick outlets that led to easy baskets for us down there. He had uh, a defensive possession with a minute 19 left where he really sat down and slid his feet and stayed in front of his uh, opponent like he had never done before. Um, and those are, those are game-winning plays. I also appreciate how you're going to have to find a guy that's going to stick to him for the entire time he's on the court. And what does that do? It creates space and other opportunities for other guys. So the more you have offensive performances like K.J. Adams, like a Zach Clements that can come off the bench and be a threat, now you're going to be forced to play more of a traditional style defense, which I think over time is going to create more opportunity uh, for, for, for Grady. In my postgame interview with Bill last night, I, I talked about why Zach is the first guy off the bench, and he goes, I don't really know. <laughs> he, he was That's the honesty that we were talking about. He goes, yeah, I don't know. Uh, and I said something like, well, last year's game, he basically won the Oklahoma game at home by – playing good defense, getting rebounds, and he made a big three in that game when we were also very sluggish against Oklahoma. But he's such a master at pushing the right buttons. And really, like he said, maybe, maybe he's not being honest with us. Maybe he really did have a reason he didn't tell me. But uh, putting Zach in last night, immediate dividends, had a layup and hit a couple threes, had eight points in the first half that we labored to score. Talk about how much Zach can impact the game as we talked about Grady, where they take Grady away, that should open up opportunities for guys like Zach. Yeah, so we have a reliable big uh, right now, but we need a big and a half, right? We need uh, at least one big to come off the bench uh, to be able to uh, to solidify uh, that position. For, for us last night, it was Zach Clements, and it was great. You know, I snuck into practice on Monday, and I actually thought he had one of his better practices uh, of the year. And those uh, are big Monday. play the guys that practice the best. Mm -hmm. Most coaches are. Yeah. They're not just going to, off a whim, just say, okay, I think this one's going to be good. Yeah. Like you said, he had a good practice on Monday, plays more on Tuesday. Yeah, and when you get into that kind of portion of the lineup where it's a little bit deeper in the lineup, you have the luxury to be able to do that. He's not going to do that with the starting five. He's got those guys uh, locked in. I do think the defensive matchup played in, in Zach's favor when you think about the Groves brothers. Um, you know, I think they were, that was they're a little – They're not super athletic. Not that Zach isn't, but – they're, they're kind of just big laboring guys that like to settle for threes. And like you said, Zach can 
you can you can disguise it a little bit and hide him a little bit defensively. Yeah, no, and I think that that was helpful for him matchup wise. And, and, let, and let's be frank, he gives us a different look. His ability to shoot and to stretch the floor, particularly when you know Grady wasn't uh, great from the three point line, and to see him come off and and to to have that type of performance was really exciting. And, and who would have thought that um, you know West Virginia uh, late this weekend? That would have been his first basket uh, of the season. Um, I don't think any of us would have thought that, you know, in terms of seeing how he helped us to be able to win some games last year. And hopefully he can just continue to get some more confidence and build more trust and get some more momentum and uh, look for, for some of those opportunities to help the team. You said it, confidence. There was a stretch after the Bahamas where Zach had zero confidence. He would, he would get the ball top of the key, be wide open, and didn't even look at the basket because he was hearing everybody saying, oh, he hadn't made a shot in eight months or hadn't done this. And in that, in that Wisconsin game, he was pressed into duty because of foul trouble, and he, and he shot several late-game threes. Everybody's like, what's going on? That can shoot the ball. He proved it last night. But confidence-wise, it was gone. And something happened because he got, he got a bucket late in, in, in the middle of the second half at West Virginia. It was a layup, no big deal. Mm-hmm. But he saw the ball go through the net, and then that parlayed into last night. Yeah, and I even think his first basket last night, if I'm not mistaken, was a layup. And so as you're seeking that confidence, you know, as a a long-range shooter, uh, when you're not feeling it, it's it's helpful to be able to get to the free throw line and get an easy basket, to get a layup. Maybe when you're coming off the bench, your first time up and back, your first shot attempt isn't a three-point shot. Maybe you're looking for ways to get more involved in the game and build rhythm and, you know, setting screens or getting a rebound, um, you know, before you let that thing fly. It's great to be a shooter, but you don't want all your confidence and all your value to be determined on whether or not the ball goes in the basket. One last guy I want to talk about before we take a break. Jalen Wilson, been our guy all year. Shooting more shots than anybody in the Bill Self era. He's a volume guy. Uh, Last night, struggled from the field, but helped us win by going 10 and 12 from the free throw line. What is your level of concern at his shot volume and his percentages? He's sub 40% right now and, and, and just not getting the same kind of looks that he did. And I don't know if he's adapting to that, but what he is doing is drawing fouls, getting to the line. At some point, games are called differently. Last Tuesday in Lubbock, they called six fouls on Texas Tech. Last night, they called six fouls from the 1230 mark to the 11-minute mark. I mean – Last night was choppier, and it just shows the way games are officiated. And I'm not saying they did a bad job. It's just one group of officials in Lubbock decided to let them play, be physical. Last night, they decided to call everything, and it turned into a free-throw-a-thon. Luckily for us, we shot a pretty good percentage from the free-throw line, or we don't win the game. But on to Jalen, preseason All-American. He's the guy. He wasn't the guy last year, but he's the guy now. You were the guy. What's it like being a uh, – you were never a bench player, but what was it like when there were guys in front of you that you could – they could kind of defer or, or they, you could defer to them. But then once you become the guy mentality-wise, how, 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 how did you adjust to that and how should Jalen? Yeah, well, I think uh, Jalen and I's situation are similar where – uh, we had an opportunity to play with and have guys ahead of us at similar positions who were the guy, you know. So for me, it was playing along the, with the likes of Drew Gooden, Nick Collison. Got a chance to go to school every day uh, playing with those guys. For, for um, you know, for Jalen last year, it was Oach, 
and CB. And so being able to see how those guys navigate and, uh, and handle that. Uh, but it's a really big jump. You know, a lot of people talk about the big jump between your freshman and sophomore year. Well, the, there's a, a jump that's equally as big between being kind of a role steady starter guy to becoming the man. And, you know, when it comes to volume shooting, somebody's got to do it, right? Somebody's got to be the volume guy. Somebody's got to be the go-to guy. And even thinking about last night, um, where up until this point, the three-point shot had been looking really big for Juan, you know, as he went on that streak. Not so much last night. Kevin McCullough, who's shown that he's been able to score big clips, uh, labored a little bit last night offensively. Grady Dick, they had a guy stuck to him the entire time. And so somebody has to be the volume guy. And I tell you what, when I look at our roster, I'm fine with it being Jalen Wilson. He's a winner. He makes big plays, got a nose for the ball. He Last night, against bigger guys, he would just get a rebound and figure out a way to get to the line. And that's a massive talent, and that's why he is a preseason All-American. And I, and I, and I will add to this. Jalen Wilson is not only the volume shooter when it comes to the game, but he's a guy on our team that is a volume shooter when it comes to getting up extra reps. Yeah. Uh, and he got that from, from Oates and CB last year. Yeah. Uh, this guy is a gym rat. You know, even now where there's no class, it's winter break, uh, you got one practice a day, it's usually in the afternoon. He's the type of guy that is in the gym mid-morning with Brady Morningstar, with Joe Dooley, getting up extra shots, yeah. um, even before shoot-around. You know, I saw him working on the very shot that he hit uh, were, uh, to cut the lead uh, that we were down 10, to cut it with five right there on the Jayhawks. He was practicing that yeah. exact same shot before shoot-around. And so um, you have the luxury of being the volume guy, not just because you're uh, an upperclassman or you're the, you're, the, you're the highest point total scorer, but it's because he works at it. Right. Hey, when we come back, we're going to talk about the 125th anniversary of Kansas basketball. Who's all coming? Coaches, festivities. You're listening to the Jayhawker podcast brought to you by the University of Kansas Health System. It was late and one of my patients was having trouble sleeping. He was feeling uneasy, he told me. I asked him, is there anything I can do to help? I'm pretty sure he's the only patient ever to ask me to dance at 2 a.m. But sometimes, being the best nurse I can be is just being the best person I can be. Welcome back to the Jay Hawker Podcast. I am Greg Gurley, along with Wayne Simeon, here on the uh, first of our uh, many, many podcasts to come. Brought to you by the University of Kansas Health System. Before we get to the 125th anniversary of Kansas men's basketball, let's talk a little bit about the women. And man, have they had a go. They've been so good. You're extremely close to Brandon Snyder and the women's program. Talk about the, the, the last month or so. You went on a road trip with them to Arizona, and they went down and beat the 12th-ranked uh, Arizona Wildcats. And that didn't just beat them. I mean, that's when they really put themselves on the map because they were undefeated. They were really playing well, and this was the test. They passed it with flying colors, stumbled a bit as of late, but – Overall, talk about the women's team and where they're at. Yeah, it's been an exciting time. It's all around Kansas Athletics, uh, of course, coming off the, you know, the huge, um, you know, bowl excitement uh, with our football program. And, and you and I were there in Memphis cheering on uh, the Jayhawks with an incredible Probably the best bowl game we've seen so far. Man, it was an incredible, uh, incredible game and uh, excited about uh, where that program's headed and the big steps that they're taking. But, of course, uh, another program that's taking some huge steps is, uh, is our women's basketball program uh, coming off uh, – 
historic season last year and a tournament run and obviously Coach Brandon Snyder being Big 12 Coach of the Year and having all that crew uh, return back. And, and uh, you know, we expecting them to be able to have uh, the type of momentum and season they're having thus far. Uh, hit a little bit of a two-game skid, but it's interesting – the two games they just recently, um, you know, lost to, you think about Baylor, who's been a perennial conference power. Uh, you think about Texas. Historically, when you've looked at those two games um, on, the, on the schedule for the women, you're thinking, man, they're going to have to play perfect in order to be able to even be in that game, let alone win it. Well, I think now with the roster, with the competitiveness, with the dominance that we're seeing from Tiana Jackson – uh, they go in expecting to win those games. Uh, now, unfortunately, they're not playing their best basketball right now, uh, but this is where, you know, the reigning coach of the year gets a chance to dial it in. And, and very much like on the men's side, no one's really going in expecting to run the table in the conference, and the women's side is just as competitive as the men's side. And so they're going to be able to make some adjustments here and get back on track. Um, but uh, they're certainly making some noise and, and have uh, the respect that they deserve uh, in the conference and also nationally. Backtrack a little bit to the Liberty Bowl. Uh, like you said, you and I were both there, and it was one of those games where it was just like, all right, this is it. You know, two minutes and 45 seconds, and then they make that incredible uh, finish to the game, go to overtime, and, and just couldn't eke it out. And you hate to say that uh, we're okay with it because we're not losing, but that type of fight uh, was what they did all year. They were in. Basically every game this year is one that probably got away from them, but uh, Lance Leipold and his staff, who are now signed up for a long, long time, were, were solidified. You and I have been around a long time. We've seen all the different coaches come in and out, and uh, but we're, we're on stable, steady ground and got a ton of guys coming back and one of the most dynamic quarterbacks in the country in Jalen Daniels. Yeah, one of the things you mentioned is stability, and that's something that we haven't seen uh, in that program for quite some time. And, you know, when you think about the stability that Kansas basketball has had, that's one of the things that's generated the type of success that we've had. And so now those we're building that similar type of stability uh, with programs like football and, and basketball um, on the women's side. Dan Fitzgerald, our new uh, baseball coach, so they're getting ready to get started here this spring, who's wanting to build that same type of of stability, now you're really going to get a chance to see programs take that next step uh, like we've seen uh, with, with our football program. So this upcoming weekend, we've got the 125th year anniversary of the all-time winningest program in the country, Kansas. Uh, we do this every five years. It's one of my favorite times, one of yours, you know, being Kansas kids. Yeah. You know, we're around it more, and but so many of our teammates that are coming back aren't here all the time, and a lot of them haven't been back in years, so they haven't experienced Allen Fieldhouse the way we do every game. Um, when we were playing, the Allen Fieldhouse was great. But now with the video board and the sound system and all the things that go around, I mean, back then it was just like you, the fans just owned everything. But now there's some manufactured stuff that makes it get even louder. Uh, the Fieldhouse wins games for us. All four of the coaches that will be back will tell you that they won games because of this building. Let's talk a little bit about the RSVP list. You've been heavily involved in getting guys here. Who's coming back that I think are, that, that you think our people would love to hear about? We, we know the guys that are at games all the time. You know, we get the same group, the Sharon Collins and Brandon Rush. Not saying anything wrong about them, but Local let's guys, talk yeah. about some guys that we don't see very often 
that will be in the fog on Saturday. Yeah, no, it's going to be a, an incredible uh, atmosphere, of course, with the matchup that we see there, but uh, even more so when you got uh, so many of the guys that contributed uh, to this incredible, rich legacy that is Kansas basketball all coming back uh, from coaches to managers to trainers. I mean, uh, so many people have uh, added to this uh, to, to make it go. And, you know, we can start with the coaches, um, you know, as we think about only having, what, seven coaches? Eight, the, eight, eight coaches eight to coaches. ever coach at Kansas and four are still with us. And we know three will be here, Ted Owens, Roy Williams, and obviously Bill Self. We're, we're, we're still – Wondering if Larry will be able to make it back, uh, travel and whatnot. But uh, if we can get all four here, I mean, it's we, we did for the anniversary of Allen Fieldhouse, mm-hmm. and it's such a cool, small fraternity. Uh, it, it, it'll be neat to get them all back. And even if they can't, just having three of them. Ted Owens is 92 years old, and he's driving up from Tulsa, and, and uh, we're having an event on uh, Saturday night. 400-ish will be there, and uh, it's just a fun weekend, and, and our team better take care of business on Saturday because <laughs> the last time we had this, we played Oklahoma State, unranked Oklahoma State on the 120-year, and we lost. And it was a fun night. I was the MC of the event. It, it, I was nervous leading up. I don't get nervous very often, but, like, so I got to talk to all these people after we lost, and then Bill's going to get up and talk. It was it, – it turned out to be great, and that team went on to a Final Four, but – if I'm sure if our guys are listening, take care of business on Saturday. <laughs> Make it more fun for everybody. Yeah. 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 No, you even talked about the RSVP list and, and like you, a kid growing up uh, around Kansas basketball before we played it. I'm a fan. And so as I'm getting texts back, I'm getting calls back, I'm seeing the RSVP list grow. I get excited to see guys like, you know, Hall of Famers like Dave Robish and Darnell Valentine and Drew Gooden. Uh, and Ben McLemore, um, you know, guys like that that you grew up watching um, that are excited to be here. And, you know, each era kind of has their own little text thread, you know. Ben was, um, younger than you, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, uh, he's younger, but, but obviously. Hey, I'm, I could be a fan of him, though, too. He wore 23 and, and uh, you know, was a seventh have, pick in the NBA draft like there. When I was playing, did you have, like, a my poster on your wall growing up? I don't, I don't necessarily remember that one being out, but I'm still trying to get your bobblehead. It's yeah, out right it's now. Good, it's good bobbleheads. Usually yeah. guys don't have bobbleheads of themselves on their own desk like you do. But um, Well, that's they, just coming from a guy who doesn't have a bobblehead. <laughs> if you did have one, <laughs> I want you to do this. Okay. We'll get on eBay, kind of have the Scotty Pippen. We'll get you a Scotty Pippen one and just we'll, I don't, we'll, paint I don't, a, we'll paint a Kansas jersey on it. I don't know if that's quite going to suffice. but um, This is a good story. We're in the – we go to uh, we go to uh, Paul Pierce's Hall of Fame uh, induction. And, and we're at the Mohegan Sun. And and uh, Wayne and I are walking around. Of course, obviously nobody knows me, but people are like, thought he was Scotty Pippen. You guys see the resemblance? You see it in the nose, the little, the little. Fro, and then he's like, "Hey, I'm Wayne Simeon. I played for the Heat." And they're like, "Oh, okay, yeah, good to see you, Wayne." And there was, uh, he was. I don't really see him. He wasn't embarrassed, but if you know me, whenever I get a little bit of a wound, I just kind of dig. Yeah, in. he likes to. He likes to use that. I like he to introduce like him to people as. Scotty Pippen or Danny I'll Granger. allow it with him, but if I see anyone in the streets calling me Scott, I'm just kidding. It's not that big. No, but it, it's going to be a great weekend. Uh, first and foremost, it's a massive test and Big 12 important game. You're 4-0, they're 4-0. Kind of looks like that's going to be our competition, right, even though we're only 20% through the season. But right now it is, and our next two games are against each of those 4-0 teams. And 
we've got to either make a statement or we really find out who we are. And so that's what has to happen. But back to the 125 year, you mentioned some names and then names that even if you mentioned people wouldn't know, but they were managers when we played or they were trainers when we played and people don't understand how much our managers and trainers do. And they become some of our best friends. One, one of my great friends to this day is a guy named Dave Van Daff and Michael Sykes. They were managers when I played. I still talk to him this day. You have the same stories with guys like that. So it's not just players. It's the entire family, and it's going to be a great weekend. So uh, as we look even deeper into the conference, your uh, initial Texas talk, how much will – Texas be affected by this coaching change? I mean, because they, they're one of the most talented teams in the league, and this bomb hit them. What do they do? Yeah, it is tough. You know, there's no easy solution, uh, you know, for, for who they are and how they're going to make the adjustment to that. You know, losing a, a leader like that, uh, it's helpful to have a, a key guy, um, you know, at the helm and Tyrese Hunter, you know, a point guard that's got experience in the league. Uh, that's a winner, that's competitive, uh, that you think you're going to need to lean on him a little bit more. Uh, but I don't think anything can help, you know, prepare, you know, a team uh, like this to lose, you know, a type of head coach that uh, Chris Beard is in the middle of the season. And so we'll, we'll see how they, how yeah, they react. Because, uh, you know, they're easily one of the most talented teams in this league, and, and that's never anything you expect. And, you know, Baylor in the same similar boat, just record-wise, 0-3 for, for Baylor starting the league. They were picked to win the league. They've, we talked about the transfer portal and how that affected everybody, but it affected them where guys left and guys went to the NBA. But uh, what, what do you make of Baylor right now? I think it's still early. Um, you know, they, they've got a national championship coach, um, you know, uh, leading the way for them as well. And, uh, man, they've got great players that are competitive that aren't going to lay down and know that there's still a lot of season left to play. And so, uh, you know, just like you see the ebb and flow of, of runs during games, you know, there's ebb and flows of, of win, win streaks and loss streaks. And so, um, man, these teams, you know, still got to keep a pulse on them, still got to keep an eye on them because, you know, as, as quickly things got out to the gate in the beginning of the conference season, things can, can easily – the winds can shift and change uh, just as much for, for anybody in this conference. Well, that's going to do it for our first podcast, the Jayhawker podcast, brought to you by the University of Kansas Health System. I am Greg Gurley. This is Wayne Simeon. Tune in to wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, YouTube. It's going to be out on all channels. But every week, Wayne and I are going to dissect and break down everything Kansas basketball, women's basketball, anything Kansas athletics. So tune in to the Jayhawker podcast on a weekly basis. We're looking forward to it. Yeah, see you guys back next week. Rock Chalk.